was a great week last week, and uh, we drew a little contrast between cruise ships and Coast Guard cutters, and we reflected on the truth that Jesus calls us as a church to be committed to a cause, and therefore, we are much more like a Coast Guard cutter, and what you saw is just a snapshot of the hundreds of black rockers saying with a sticker, I'm on board, and I'm committed to the cause of Jesus here at Black Rock. And if you missed it last week, good news, there are more stickers, more pens out there, so you can stop by, put your initials on that sticker, and then add to it your new commitment uh, that you want to uh, contribute to the cause or your continuing commitment to the cause, and then just say that you're on board. We want Jesus to use us in this region and around the world, and I can't wait to see what God's going to do as he answers that prayer as we go deeper with him, which leads us to our topic for today. A while back, I read a book uh, called uh, Dinner with a Perfect Stranger, and the author challenged me to consider that Jesus invites me to dinner, to have a one-on-one meal with him, and... uh, Then I was reading the Gospels, and I noticed how over and over again in the Gospels, Jesus was meeting with people over a meal, and I sensed Jesus calling me to have a meal with him, and so I did. I had a dinner with Jesus, and among the things that we talked about was the fact that Jesus said, make sure you go and tell BlackRock that I want to meet with them. So Jesus wants to meet with you one-on-one for a meal. It can be breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack, doesn't matter. Uh, Just spend some time alone with Jesus this week and uh, maybe read a little bit about him in Scripture and then have a conversation, talk to Jesus and listen to him. And you may ask, what should Jesus and I talk about? Well, in our studies of Jesus' meals with Zacchaeus and Peter, We learned that Jesus wants to talk with you about his supernatural love for you and how he wants to eradicate all shame and guilt that keeps you from a deeper relationship uh, with him. But there's another topic that Jesus wants to talk about, and it's another issue that keeps you, keeps me, from a deeper relationship with, with him. Jesus wants to talk to me about worry and how it becomes the source of my worst problems in life. One of my worst problems is stress, and worry is the root of stress. Worry about not having enough time, not having enough money, uh, my never-ending workload, my worry about my kids, about my parents, about my other relationships. Stress is a problem, and worry is at the root of it. Another problem in my life is discontent, and worry is at the root of it. The root of discontent is worry that the good life is passing me by, worry that I'm falling behind, and I should have a better house, or I should have a better job, or I should be a better and happier person. Discontent is a problem, and a lot of it comes from worry. And another problem in my life is insecurity, and worry is at the root of it, and you know what I mean. Worry about what people think of you. Worry about what people are saying about you. Worry that you're going to fail. You're going to disappoint. You're going to look bad. Worry is the worst, and Jesus wants to talk to me about worry because he wants me to live at my best. 
And overcoming worry is a topic that comes up in a dinnertime conversation that Jesus had with two sisters that are, it's recorded in Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 38, reading this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. <laughs> Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, there's a lot of interesting details in this story, but let me just tell you right now that one detail is locked in a little phrase that is easy to misunderstand in our English translations, and it's the key to this whole story. I'm talking about that phrase in verse 39. Mary sat at the feet of the Lord listening to what he said. Now, understanding this little phrase is the key to understanding what is happening in the story. If I misunderstand this little phrase, I can actually get a little miffed with Mary because she's just sitting around when she should be helping in the kitchen. If I misunderstand this phrase, I can actually misunderstand that Martha was doing the right thing because it was dinner time after all, but I'll understand that it wasn't dinner time when I understand that sitting at someone's feet is an ancient idiom. You know what an idiom is, right? An idiom is a phrase that is not literally true, but carries truth in the form of a culturally understood image. For instance, if I say about someone, she was a pain in the neck until she kicked the bucket. <laughs> and if you know American idiom, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you knew my extended family, you'd know who I exactly <laughs> I was talking about. And you probably have some raving idioms in your life too. Uh, anyway, sitting at someone's feet is an ancient idiom. We know this is an idiom because this same phrase, word for word, is used by the same author in reference to the Apostle Paul. Luke is the author of this gospel, and he wrote another Bible book called Acts. And in Acts chapter 22, Luke records that the Apostle Paul described himself as one who sat at the feet of Gamaliel. And this is not literal. Uh, this is an idiom. Luke is referring to not where Paul sat, but the fact that Paul was formally enrolled as a student to a famous rabbi named Gamaliel, which gets to what Luke means when he says that Mary sat at Jesus' feet. Luke is not so much referring to where Mary was, but what Jesus was doing. 
This phrase, Mary sat at Jesus' feet, is here to tell us that Martha should not have been upset because it was not dinner time, it was teaching time. The idiom makes it clear what is not going on here. This was not just Jesus and Mary alone in the living room having a casual conversation. Notice that the story begins with Jesus and his disciples. So very likely, Mary was not alone in the living room with Jesus, but the 12 are there as well. And this phrase, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, tells us that this was not a casual conversation, but that Jesus was in formal teaching mode to his students, and Mary was formally established as one of his students. And so it wasn't dinner time. It was class time in Jesus University, and as his student, Mary was doing exactly what Martha should have been doing. Even in the kitchen, Martha could have realized that hush had fallen over her house because God in the flesh was teaching life lessons. But Martha was distracted. She was preoccupied. She was stretched out. And her worry kept her from doing what she should have been doing, listening to Jesus. And today, Jesus wants to use this story to call me away from my worried life to what I should be doing as his student which is learning from Jesus the secrets of the better life. So right now, let's sit at the feet of Jesus. Right now, let's enter Jesus University and let's hear Jesus teaching about worry from Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25 where Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For unbelievers run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This is Jesus giving a crucial lecture on the better life and what we might call Jesus' four truths for the worried Martha. Truth number one, worry is a choice. Remember, what, remember how Martha complained to Jesus because instead of worrying about eating and drinking in the kitchen, Mary was just enjoying being in class with Jesus, Jesus said, Martha, your sister has made a choice and what she has chosen will not be taken away from her. Here Jesus teaches the profound truth that contrary to what is perceived in our stressed out culture, you can choose not to worry. Sometimes I act like I have no other option but to worry my way through life. Sometimes I act like I have to be a worrier, that there's nothing I can do about it. Not true. And the command of Jesus proves it. 
Jesus commands me as his follower, do not worry about your life. And the reason Jesus can put this in the form of a command is because worry is a choice, which means that I need to stop excusing my worry life because nobody is forcing me to worry. And I need to stop saying I wouldn't be so worried if this would happen or if so-and-so would do this or stop doing this. No, I can't blame my worry on external circumstances because worry is an internal habit of the mind. Worry is a way of thinking that becomes this mental habit. You know, worry is such a habit. Do you know what I was doing while I was studying for this sermon? Worrying. Worrying that I wouldn't be able to communicate this clearly enough to teach you how not to worry. Worrying that I might go too long. And so I decided I'm not going to worry about that. So I just sit back and, you know, this is going to be a long one. The truth, the first truth, is that worry is a choice. Jesus' second truth for the worried Martha is that worry is a mistake. Not only did Jesus teach that worry is a choice, he taught it's a bad choice. Jesus points to the miserable futility of worry when he says, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to life? Jesus says that worry adds nothing to my life. It robs me. In fact, that's what uh, the Holocaust survivor, Corey Tenboom says. She says, worry does not empty tomorrow of sorrow. It empties today of strength. See, don't listen to the old saying that says, worry doesn't change things. Worry does change things. It makes things worse. A Mayo Clinic study of people with heart disease found that a worry habit was the strongest predictor of a follow-on cardiac arrest. Three separate studies have shown that worry stress is more closely related to cancer than smoking. A well-known Harvard study showed that men who experience elevated anxiety are six times more likely than non-worriers to, be, uh, to die of sudden heart attack. Worry does change things. Worry changes your health by releasing stress chemicals that are toxic to your body. Worry changes your outlook by making you negative and uh, fearful. Worry changes your relationships by causing you to be irritable, impatient, and uh, frustrated with anger, which is what happened to Martha, right? Martha and her worry stress filled her with so much frustration that she charged into uh, class to rant on Mary. And when Martha complained that Mary was not worrying enough about eating and drinking, do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, Martha, Martha, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. In which Jesus teaches the profound truth that worry is a mistake, but it's a mistake that I can overcome when I choose something better. That something better than worry leads us to the next truth. Truth number three is worry is a warning. Jesus says that there's something better than worry. And what's better than worry is a deeper relationship with Jesus. 
That's the only place where we can find the better life than worry. Which means that if a relationship with Jesus is better, then that means that worry is a warning. Worry is a warning that I've lost touch with some aspect of my relationship with God. For instance, worry warns me that I've lost touch with who I am and who I am not. Jesus teaches me who I am. I am the beloved child of an all-powerful father. And Jesus teaches me that worry is an opposite belief statement. Whenever I worry about my life and my kids and my job, I'm stating the opposite belief that I am on my own in this world, that I am a victim of circumstance, that I am not cared for. I'm at the mercy of chance and fate. I am helpless and hopeless. And Jesus says that I, if I am his follower, this is not who I am. Jesus says, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For unbelievers run after all these things. But your heavenly Father knows what you need. Here Jesus says that my worry is a warning light, that I am not being who I am. God is my father. I'm the child he adores. And as I actively believe this, I'm choosing the better life where I don't live in stress and discontent and insecurity because I don't worry that if there's another warning. Worry warns me that I've lost touch with what is in my control and what is not. Jesus says that I need to learn to do what the birds do naturally. Jesus says, look at the birds and how your heavenly Father feeds them. So how do birds get fed? Do birds just sit on a branch and uh, open their mouth waiting for uh, birdie food to drop in? No. They do what's in their control. They take responsibility for the daily food gathering which is in their control, but they don't worry about tomorrow's food, which is out of their control. If I want to live the better life, I need to learn from the bird what is in my control and what is out of my control. The secret to the worry-free life is being in touch with what is in my control and what is not. As a parent, should I be concerned for my child's safety? Yes, of course. Because being a responsible parent is not the same thing as being a worrier. It is responsible to walk my first grader to school. But when I let go of my child's hand, I become a worrier. If from that point on, I create all sorts of disaster scenarios in my mind for the rest of the day. I need to let what is out of my control be in the hands of my loving father. Then there's one last warning. Worry warns me that I've lost touch with what is important in life and what is not. Jesus teaches that at its root, worry is a misperception. Worry stems from the misperception that material things are more important to my life than spiritual things. That was Martha's confusion, right? Somehow Martha deceived herself into thinking that the material dinner preparations were more important than listening to the life-giving words of God in the flesh. The same goes for me. 
Whenever I worry over what people think of me instead of what God thinks of me, whenever I worry about whether I'm falling behind in my retirement account instead of investing in things that are eternal, I am confusing what is important with what is unimportant. One day a uh, materialistic man uh, got in a car wreck. And when the police came, uh, they found this man wandering around saying, my BMW, my BMW, ah, my BMW. And the police officer came up to this guy and said, buddy, you must be in shock because you've got bigger problems than your car. Your arm was cut off. And so the guy says, ah, my Rolex, my Rolex. (laughs) Which is a fancy watch. (laughs) Silly, right? It's ridiculous to treat unimportant things like they were important. Jesus says, is not life more important than food and clothes? But seek first what's most important, God's kingdom and his righteousness, which leads us to the fourth truth that Jesus taught about worry. Worry is a teachable moment. So if worry is a warning light on the dashboard of my life, then that means that worry is that moment when God is warning me that I'm going off track in my relationship with him. And if that's true, then in some way, an experience of worry is or can be my friend. Worry is something bad that can turn me towards something better if I allow each worry to be a teachable moment. If every time I worry, I give it to Jesus, I give him the opportunity to change me from a Martha mindset into a Mary mindset. Dinner was a problem for Martha. But dinner can also be that moment where when Jesus helps me change from a Martha mindset into a Mary mindset. And so I'm encouraging you this week to sometime set aside a meal. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, a snack, sometime where you just sit with Jesus and you reflect a little bit on his word, maybe the passage that we have just read, and then talk to Jesus about this topic that is the source of the worst things, the worst problems in life, worry. Allow this meal to be that teachable moment. And you may say, well, what should we talk about? Here, here, here's a dinner guide for going from being a Martha to a Mary. So I sit down for a meal with Jesus, and first I admit worry. And then I choose something better. I get completely honest, and I say, okay, Jesus, this is what I'm worried about. And I get specific, and that's very important, because naming my anxieties is the first step to shrinking them down to size and overcoming worry. Step two, I separate who I am and who I'm not 
what is important and what is not, and what is in my control and what is not. The second thing I do is uh, I let Jesus remind me of who I am, what's important, and what is in my control. You know, for instance, if I have a conflict with someone that's causing me worry, then it is in my control. Jesus wants me to take responsibility for pursuing some reconciliation. But Jesus doesn't want me to take responsibility for the person's reaction. That's out of my control. Next, third, receive. I receive Jesus' promise of care. This goes back to knowing who I am. Jesus wants to remind me and bring me back to who I am, that my worries and insecurities are coming from the fact that I've forgotten who I am and the security that I have from the promises that God gives me as his child. Jesus wants me to receive his love because the more who I am in God's love grows large, the more my worries grow small. And fourth, I can choose in that meal, not to worry. Jesus says I have a choice. I can choose not to worry when I choose something better. The better life is found in one place and one place only. It is found in a deeper one-on-one relationship with Jesus who this week, every week, every day extends to you an invitation to friendship with this perfect friend. Let's spend just a moment now alone with him. Just in this moment, just close your eyes and get ready to just exhale, okay? Let's pray. You've brought in some worries. You've brought in some things that are weighing you down. Right now, Jesus wants you to exhale all those worries, anxieties, and breathe in his peace. So maybe you're a parent and you're worried about your child. Maybe you're a student and you've got school problems, you've got relationship problems. Maybe you're just stressed out, discontent, insecure, not enough time, not enough money, too much to handle. You have a choice right now. So would you bring what that burden is that you brought in, would you bring it now to Jesus and leave it so that you walk out from this room lighter and freer? Please stand now as we close. Jesus, thank you so much that you not only came to die on the cross and you rose from the dead so that we could have freedom from uh, the burdens of our past, but you give us lectures. You give us lessons. You want to teach us how to live the better life. Oh, Lord, would you draw us again and afresh to this relationship this week? Lord, help us even right now to make a plan so that this is not just a concept, the idea of meeting with you sometime this week over a meal, but we're making plans right now of when we're going to do it. And then, Jesus, would you now set us free 
make us lighter as we leave this room than when we came in, and then lead us to that place where we're learning from you how to leave the worrying life for the better life. Thank you, Jesus, for being with us.